This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. You remember. Roll your stealth roll. Game books, pencils, pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the dragon woke up. Roll for initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be. The Roll for Initiative podcast. We're back with another episode. I am Vince sitting alongside Matt. Hello, everyone. And Nick. Hello, everybody. A.K.A. Blackstone. I told everybody. Uh, Breaking cave. Cats out of bag. After ten years, people After finally. After ten years, has it been that long? Yeah, it's been that long. We're in our tenth year. Ten years. We're, do, we we could have a big celebration. Yeah. No, no celebration. And, and it's on the budget. The reason we're revealing this is because we're cutting off your Blackstone check, Nick. You've yeah. been double dipping for too long, yeah. and we had to do something about hey, it. Hey, I learned everything I know about life from my congressman. <laughs> <laughs> we. Uh, He's fired. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, we are back with another episode. We're broadcasting live from the Crystal Castle, and we're chucking stones this week. <laughs> Heck yeah, we are. And uh, so, how you guys been? Nick, what have you been up to, buddy? Oh, gaming-wise? Well, yeah. let's see. Last time we talked about our Call of Cthulhu session, uh, we just recently went back to Star Wars D6, you know, West End Games version. Mm-hmm. Did that, uh, so my friend Jeff, running that campaign. We uh, infiltrated the the planet Abyss, or at least we were in the Abyss system, if you know your Star Wars lore. Hmm. You know, Abyss is like at the center of the galaxy. And we had to find some plans for a, basically a, like a black project, find some in, basic, gather information for our little... Um, contact in the Imperial Senate to show that the rest of the Imperial Senate that basically the Emperor is siphoning funds for black projects. Okay? So we get there and um, yeah, there's lots of stuff around this space station that they have there. (laughs) Yeah, there's an Imperial class Star Destroyer being built. Um Another new type that's like it's it's basically just a gunship, no tie fighters, but it's just got like it's, it's built to be like a, a gunship with a reinforced hull, um, a uh, the protest type for the interdictor class. If you're familiar with that one, mm-hmm. you know the one that brings you out of warp, not warp. Sorry, that's Star Trek. Yeah. Out of hyperspace or prevents you from going into hyperspace. Um. Because it, it's it's a gravity well generator, and a few other ships, uh, like prototype fighters that were there, including if you remember from like the Zon series, uh, the original Zon series, the Skip Ray blast boat, okay, <laughs> and the prototype super star destroyer. So we're like, oh. And we're going to have to steal some plans and get the heck out of here. Well, that all being said, we stole four ships. <laughs> <laughs> we stole uh, the Skip Ray Blast Boat, uh, a, a two TIE fighter prototypes, the prototype for the TIE bomber and the, proto- the, and the prototype for its the TIE grunt. And... Um, we stole the basically a it's it's a type of shuttle, um, but it's not like a prototype shuttle. We stole a shuttle, which um, you could park two spaceships in. It's almost like a mini carrier. So we took that, got the Tie Fighters in there, and got the hell out of there. Yeah. And plus the Skip Ray blast boat, which was really cool. That was the one I really really wanted to get because you look up the skips uh, stats on the Skip Ray blast boat it has lots of weapons and it's a starfighter class it it's just amazing it's got like three or four ion cannons just just with that whole bunch of proton torpedoes laser cannon all that jazz so yeah we made off with that and uh so that was that was the uh, our star wars session and i think late 
in April we're gonna go back to Call of Cthulhu. So. Oh, cool. And what about you, yeah. uh, Mr. Matt? Well, my group actually uh, played the new uh, Arkham Horror board game, the newest revision. Uh, it's, that streamlined the rules a bit, and uh, it, we enjoyed it. Got crushed thoroughly. Uh, the biggest changes from like the ones I found is uh, the setups a lot quicker, and the board layouts actually modular. So, it, like your different city locations, you can actually position them in different ways depending on what scenario you're playing, as opposed to having like a static game board. So. If you like playing like the Arkham Horror board game, it's still got the same mechanics. But just in a much more streamlined way, so it doesn't take like five, six hours to finish a game. You can actually finish it in like three. So I recommend it if you like that. Cool. Yep. So that's about it for gaming-wise. Uh, gaming-wise for me, we are still in the middle of playing our D6 Star Wars was... <laughs> Uh, it's just started like, on episode 7 or 8, and we're pretty much a bunch of recruits uh, that just got recruited to the Jedi Academy, but uh, along the way something happened, and we never actually made it there, so we're kind of in the middle of uh, fighting pirates and things like that while Ooh. learning our Force abilities, and we found out the, the Padawan that was with us uh, may be uh, not a good person. She had a red lightsaber, we found out, so... We don't know what's That's going on. That's not good. Yeah, and she basically we ended it with she's like, "Oh, it's a long story. I'll tell you another time." So I don't know, but I she got knocked out for a while while we did our little mischief around town and tried to do this and that and kill the pirate captain and stuff like that. Oh, that reminds me when we were at that uh, um that space station. Yep. When we got on board. One of the there was an inquisitor on board. <gasps> He got one of his ships. He made a beeline for the ship where our Jedi was on, and we just blew his shi ship all the hell. <laughs> just, we're just like, nope. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> well, uh, this uh, campaign takes uh, a place a month before Order 66, so uh, the Republic yeah. is still a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It hasn't happened Sounds yet. Sounds like our campaign a little. Yeah. And uh, I actually did use the red lightsaber once, but I didn't use it any in, in a, a way that would get me a dark side point. I just I just turned it on and I intimidated someone with it, and and basically insinuated I was a Sith Lord. But <laughs> uh oh, he careful now. Yeah, I, I just said <laughs> you wouldn't do that to a Sith Lord now, would you? I didn't say I was the Sith Lord. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's kind of a gray Jedi area, but why not? I mean. I was still young. I'll be like, oh, I'm just a young Padawan, so. I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. <laughs> and we just wrapped up our two-year-long Marvel game, so that's finally done. Whoa. Yeah. And it ended with Galactus eating the Earth. No, it ended with <laughs> Galactus eating the Earth. No. It ended with all the villains, uh, which as our player characters, all going into hiding for the time being while we you know, kind of refresh from the campaign and play some other things. Like, we're going to be doing Star Trek soon, so. Really? Yeah. Star Trek, huh? Yeah, we're doing la uh, last uniform, uh, Unicorn Games, Lug. So. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah, should be fun. Anyway, moving along. Uh, so, we got a, a star review that we need to cover this week because we said we would always oh. read these star reviews that we get unless uh -huh. it was something that was really just, you know, outrageous, but. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, Nick, what star review do we have this week? Uh-huh. Oh, you, you want me to read it? Yeah, please. Uh, okay. Uh, this is from DM Zach. Gives us two stars. It says, almost unlistenable. Oh, wow. He says, hey, guys. Not sure if you got the memo, but it's 2019. Not 1998. And internet speeds are faster and disk space is more plentiful. Consider upping the bitrate of your audio files because they sound like crap. <laughs> it is a noble gesture to cater to all those listeners with a dial-up connection. But seriously, get with the times. Thank right. you, DM Zach. May, may I like to reference this to our... our, our, our um, technical uh guru if uh, if you will or our uh producer dm matt what do you have to say about that matt 
Well, the reasoning behind, like when you when you download, like a sh- depending on who's recording, I know Ben's records at a higher bit rate than I do, but I record and post at uh, sixty four kilobits a second, which you're like, oh, that's so small. Well, I record in mono, so that's sixty four kilobits in mono. So if you get a MP three that's one hundred and twenty eight kilobits a second. That has the exact same sound quality as a 64 kilobit a second mono recording. Basically, because if you were to, say, put us into stereo, it would instantly double our bit rate and double our size, and you would have the exact same sound quality because we're not panning from left to right. We don't really need the that type of depth. And also with a voice podcast, is it really necessary to have a higher bit rate do you have the, sa- the sweet, dulcet tones of our voice? <laughs> Would you like to uh, listen to our sweet sounds of my now, voice? Now, maybe if we uh, could resurrect Barry White oh, baby. and have oh, him yeah. on our show, then we would need that that range and the, oh, that yeah, depth, baby. perhaps, to get that full richness. But we don't. And so I just, like, is it really necessary, or is it just you throw out a higher bitrate? Look how qual- good quality we got, but it's overkill for nothing because and as far as i know this is the only real uh negative comment we've ever had about sound quality for our show is that correct it is the only uh comment we've ever gotten about audio quality on here yeah there were some shows that we had some bad quality as far as we had guests on the show there's nothing i can do about that skype wise i mean if they have bad audio they have bad audio yeah Right, yes. Skype was like our bane of existence for the longest time because if it works, it's great. But if it doesn't work, oh my, it's a bit of uh, adventure. <laughs> Sound a little bit George Takei there, like, oh my. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my. I, I, I went back and I listened to some of our older episodes from 10 years ago on my phone uh, after I saw that review. And the yeah. audio quality was fine. I didn't, I mean, it's on a phone. Most people listen to these on iPod. Well, not iPods anymore, but iPhone, Android phone. Not many people will sit there at their computer and listen to it. Maybe some do, and, and you do. That's yeah. great. But. Yeah. The quality yeah, I mean, that I'm recording at is practically like Matt said. What'd you say your quality was at? Sixty something, ninety something. Yeah, sixty sixty four kilobits mono. I'm doing like almost two hundred to three hundred, depending on the recording of the podcast. So I'm doing in high quality studio st- setting. So if the person who heard this thinks that the audio was that low a bit rate, he probably got a bad download. That's probably what probably. it was. Right, um, I, and I, I want. DM Zach to listen real closely right now. <laughs> Just listen real closely. Listen to my voice. Nice sound quality right there. You can hear it, baby. This is me right now. Okay, Zach. Nick. It's you, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, it, it's this is probably uh, unfortunately a backlash from the uh, episode that I did with Eric Tankar on the Tavern Chat where I had quoted and said that there is a lot of shitty podcasts out there on Anchor. And I said mm-hmm. that Anchor has sent us, ba- sent us back about 10 years, which is kind of like how this guy's referencing things. So he probably took offense to that because probably his audio quality sucks on his. But whatever, I didn't name anybody purposely. I was just saying in general, there are a lot out there mm-hmm. where it sounds like people were in their fucking car or the microphone stuck up their ass and they're pulling it out their mouth while talking. <laughs> Hey, I've Ow. I've done a podcast in my car before. Well, yours was at least clear enough to hear it. Some of these people are just like in their car. It's like so. It's like they're support reporting on the Hindenburg for Christ's sake. Yeah, and I don't listen. My choice is not to listen to them. If someone else can tolerate it, that's mm-hmm. awesome, dude. You keep listening, but I have an audio, an ear for audio, and I don't like that. There are lots of podcasts I don't listen to because of really bad audio. And I don't mm-hmm. say anything. I just go, well, I don't like the audio. Next. And I just leave it at that. I don't go out there and, oh, two stars, one star. This guy sucks because his audio sucks. I don't care. That's your production. Yeah, you like it, your audience like, likes it. I don't care. Yeah, because like you said, maybe uh, Zach here just got like a bad download. You know, Maybe he had a bad feed. Maybe he just had a bad day. Who knows? I don't know, but we're spending way too much time on this. Uh, thank you for your feedback, Zach. 
We appreciate it. We'll make sure our bit rate is not 1998 and it's 2019. Right. So uh, yeah, maybe we should do Thank a, you. a uncompressed <laughs> flack release of our podcast. Maybe we should bring back the AAC podcast that we used to have our alternate feed. Yeah, so that way no one can play it because no yes. one that anymore. We could do our chaptering again that Jason used to do. Remember? Maybe we should use oh, tin cans and, wi- and wire. No, that that's called blog talk radio. Oh, okay. Yeah, blog talk, yeah. Yes, that's painful to listen to. Some of them are, some of them are, but you know, at least people are, are trying and uh Right. Yeah. I give and them props for effort. It it's an easy way to get your show out. But blog talk, the, the audio quality is horrendous. It's ten cannon string. Alright, well let's not let's not bash blog talk. Uh they they try on blog talk, so and I didn't wanna you know, Anchor has its has its great, wonderful ability to record on the fly, but some people are just using it the wrong way and need to... I don't know why people just don't record on their computer and upload it, but I guess they're out on the road and they have an idea they want to record it. I understand. There's also something well, also, called buying a microphone. So the whole thing is, we're live, live, Because we're live, cool live. and edgy, we're, man. Right. It's like streaming. Uh. Yeah, the live stream without... But it's in audio form. But anyway... You, if you want to do that on your, you know, with Anchor on your phone, that's great. There's something just pop on Amazon, buy one of those little cheap microphones for like twenty bucks, and it'll produce, it'll make your podcast audio that much better. Enough of this bullshit. On to the maybe show. we need a special insert on how to actually podcast. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, no. That used to be the thing in the. Whole they could go. To, they could go to freaking YouTube and find that shit. There's plenty, yeah. There's plenty of YouTube videos how to uh, podcast, but I don't need to do that. That's but they're all poor audio quality. <laughs> Nick, sorry, you're fired. Go home. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> On to the topic of the show. This week we're going to talk a little bit about racial level limits and the way it is imposed in the game. How Gary Gygax wanted the limits in there because he was he was pushing a. As the DM guide has said on page 21, Advanced Dungeon Drag is unquestionably a human-centric game, with mm-hmm. demi-humans, semi-humans, and humanoids in various orbits around the sun of humanity. So, basically, the game is the sun is the humanity, and everything else is little planets revolving around and going, I want attention, Daddy! So, that's... Shut the- up! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you also have uh, an article from Dragon Magazine number 29, Nick, that you had looked up? Yes, that is true. It's going back into the Wayback Machine. Um, From the Sorcerer's Scroll, issue number 29. That was back in um, September of, excuse me, 1979. And here's, and this is a section where he also brought up like about the half-ogre. He brought the half-ogre race as well. It was later in the article. It's a little one-page thing about the ideas, the reasoning um, of racial class and level limits for them. And it, it's a there's a key paragraph right here. If you let me, if you and let me indulge me here, I shall read it and quote: "The character races in AD and D were selected with care." They give variety of approach, but any player selecting a non-human part or demi-human character does not have any real advantage. Mm -hmm. True, some of these racial types give short-term advantages to the players who choose them, but in the long run, the same character are at an equal disadvantage when compared to human characters with the same number of experience points. This was, in fact, designed into the game. The variety of approach makes role selection more interesting. Player, character, race, uh, human, players um, must weigh advantages and disadvantages carefully before opting for a character, race, human, or otherwise. It is in vogue in some campaigns to remove restrictions on demi-humans. So let me stop right there. That little sentence, even back then, people were dropping, like, level limits for for non-human characters. Yeah. Or at least to relax them to somewhat. While this may might make the DM popular for a time with those participants with dwarven fighters of high level or elven wizards of vast power, it will eventually consign the campaign as a whole to one in which only races will be non-human. Dwarves, elves, etc. will have all the advantage 
all the advantages and no real disadvantages. So the majority of players will select these races and humankind will disappear from the realm of player character types. This bears upon various hybrid racial types as well. So basically he's saying there is because he, he in a nutshell, he's saying because of the special the races, dwarves, elves, gnomes, halflings, etc., because they have special abilities in themselves. Those races, mm-hmm. the counter, the counter that they put basically class and level limits on those races to balance out where humans in themselves as a race have no real advantage makes sense i i could see that and that's not having you know players having a campaign where it's either all or the majority of the the races are demi-human races i and i and i understand that so in a roundabout sort of way he made the human race its benefit its special ability is unlimited class and level progression so that's how i kind of read it yeah it's like if you were to take like the power level of a character and plot Mm -hmm. them out on graphs over the course of their levels the demi-humans start higher but as it goes through up higher in levels that that gap gets smaller and smaller and eventually once they hit that level cap the human power level keeps growing whereas the demi-human plateaus with maybe slight incremental increases due to, like, you still get your hit points and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. But. And even later on with Unearth Arcana, uh, there was kind of an addendum to that because there was a, a chart or a table, I should say, with all the races and their which classes are allowed and what level limits are. There was even a slight, I think you pointed out, Matt, uh, uh, Vince, mm-hmm. to me earlier that there was a slight, like, Loosening up the rules in that case. Yeah, there was. And I think it was because uh, if you, I guess if you made certain your prerequisite, your uh, ability score for that, um, for that uh, class was higher than a certain amount, you could be up to, I think, two level higher. Or if you were just single class, if you're a single class, not multi-class. Because that's another special ability of of demi-human uh, characters is they can multi-class. Right. But then that's also another way it slows down their advancement as well. Mm -hmm. That's why I think in Unearthed Arcana, if they're single-class demi-humans, they can go up to two level higher as as mm -hmm. indicated in the book. Which, that's I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. I could dig that. But even then, now remember this article was September 1979, so uh, AD&D barely got out in the market. I think I think the player's handbook and the DMG were just just came out. So, in a matter of months of each other. Yeah, the yeah. monster manual itself was out before both of them. So yeah, so you had the monster manual, and I think six months from that was the player's handbook, and then six months from there, roughly was the dmg so i think the dmg was just the last one that came out before this article and, uh, yeah. uh, and as a whole yeah even then real early on you had people that were quipping and house ruling level and class limits yeah. for demi humans min maxers are going to min max and that's yeah. one of the few ways you can in this game is it get those racial bonuses and then oh just wave this one little cap here and then next thing you know hey i'm mm. going to be more powerful than a human and there's no reason to ever play one page yeah. but the yeah. thing with that is when you uh look at how everything is set up everything was basically balanced in a way to give you an incentive to play every race if you want that early boost you can pick one of the other demi-human classes if, mm-hmm. you, if you're playing a longer game, you want to be a human. Because if you were to actually go by the way XP is handed out in the DMG, well, how many characters will actually hit that level cap? 
Oh, I know yeah. people that have been playing for years, and they only made, I mean, decades, too, only made it to level 9, so... Exactly. Yeah. It would it, if you were doing everything by the book, you would never hit those caps anyway. Yeah, so at the, that point, people are handing out XP a little more freely, right? To in, speed up the advancement. At which point, that's when that the cap becomes necessary. Because yeah, and going by the book, realistically, you're probably not going to hit the level cap. Just period. Right. You're not going to hit it. Especially if you multi-class. You multi-class, good luck hitting a level cap. I think it's very rare most campaigns would get to that point, depending on what type of you know race and class that you, you play. You know, even even for regular human characters, it's I would say it's not it's not uh, common for even to make name level, you know? Right. Yeah, you know, how you know how um you know, i guess what it was what it was you know how far does it you know actually be called wizard and yeah. what level do you have to make to actually be called wizard in for a magic user class i think it's like 9 or 10 oh you're asking like i thought you were making a point i'm sorry well, I, I, but uh, yeah that and, and the point is like most you know if you want to reach that point it, uh, even then most 11. campaigns kind of start to wrap up 11th or actually 12th levels when you're the wizard by 12th level name. Yeah, there you go. And you wouldn't get so, you wouldn't get mage until you were 16th level and archmage at 18th level. Right. Yeah, there you go. And and it also having the level cap solves this other problem with just world building in general. How come the demi human don't dominate like the human races? Mm -hmm. With that? because they live so much longer than a human. It, they would have more time to develop and grow and level. At that point, if you have an elf that's living two, three hundred years, accumulating XP without a level cap, the elven races or the dwarven races or any demi-human race are going to be such just on average higher than the human race that the humans in the world itself would just be a non-issue. Yeah. Yeah. They would be probably... They, they would, would be subservient would, to all the other races. Right. They would be like goblins. Yeah. I mean, re realistically. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. Absolutely. I think someone someone pointed that out too. It's like, look how long lived all the demi human races are. Even even halflings live longer than humans. Right. So, but you know, taken to the other extreme, you have elves, which can theoretically live tens of you know. You know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands. Right. If you look at the actual, yeah, but larger scale of it, they I do mean, stop if there adventuring were no, after a certain point. Don't forget. Right. But even then, you know, they, they still they're still be going to be doing things. They can still right? get experience. How do you sure. know they're not just sitting in their shop and they're the ones cranking out all the magic items in the world that we went over? And it takes for mm -hmm. years to make. Right. Right. Actually, that does solve an issue, though. With what? why are there so many magic items? There's those retired elves just cranking stuff out on the black market. <laughs> those Keebler elves really keep busy. Uh. <laughs> and what race? And what? Uh, and what's their alignment? Uncommonly good. Right. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, <sighs> Nick. But so, with that being said, with all the, um, the 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 race li limits on class and level. Um, as far as handling in a campaign, do you go by the book yeah, or do you do something? You go by the book. Yes. No, I'm saying, yeah, I was agreeing with you. It, basically the question comes up here. Do you buy by the yeah. rules or do you hand wave things and allow things to go as you please? Because don't forget with the racial limits that were set, there was also class limits set too, that certain races mm -hmm. couldn't play certain classes. Yep. Which did loosen up a little bit in Unearthed Arcana when he did the uh, rules there, too. So yes. do you play by the book like that, or do you just wave your hand and go, meh, and just let people play what they want to play? I'm going to start by saying, generally in the past, I was very much for, meh, just let people play what they want to play. But then might have a campaign with no humans whatsoever, because what's the point? And I personally play humans a lot, and... 
Mm-hmm. He'll be like, well, why are you playing human? You're human in real life. Because I don't want to be a fucking dwarf or an elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to be a human. That's what I, you know, want to be. I don't care. I don't question you being an elf or a dwarf or a gnome, dude, right? Yeah. Right. Never trips your trigger. Yeah. So that was before. Now, how do you look at it? Now I'm more in the camp of I I want people to play humans more often, so I give more advantages to humans in my game uh, all the time. I will give them more stuff to start with. I will. Uh, I also do waive the level limits. I don't really think that is fair whatsoever, but I also give humans advantages on things. You know, I was kind of going to say the same thing, too. Uh, as far as like giving humans advantage, I did that. Yeah, my approach, even for the beginning, let me back up. My approach from the beginning of it was more or less by the book, it, it, I guess. And with and that's counting the stuff from Unearth, um, uh, Unearth Arcana, yeah, yeah, with the Unearth Arcana stuff, um. With that being said, I think over time what I thought is like, you know, I could probably relax the level limits, right? Now, as far as class limits, I, I'm still, rest- I'm, you know, restricting their to what class certain races can play. Well, I, I, I'll jump in here and say I didn't, I, I would still restrict the classes, but the one thing I, I let up on was the whole dwarven cleric thing. Yeah. Because I and also, yeah. clerics should seem natural. I mean, they just feel natural to me, right. so I allowed that. Yeah, I, I, I never understood that either. Um, but with that being said, I also like, well, if I'm going to re- relax the level limits for demi-human races, what's gonna, what am I going to do to make humans a little more enticing? And I went the route that I think you went is like, Maybe give humans some sort of racial bonuses of some sort. I incorporated that into uh, years ago when I was planning my World of Greyhawk campaign. Mm-hmm. We we're going to do first edition AD&D. I thought, okay, let's look at the different you know races of humans in World of Greyhawk, and based off of that, maybe we can come up with some racial bonuses depending on where you originated as a human. Maybe yeah. you get like a bonus for like a certain type of weapon. Maybe you get a plus one to your intelligence when you create your character or something like that. You know, so I, I came up with a set of rules in house to make that appealing if you wanted to play a human. So I set about creating those sort of things, basically like maybe racial bonuses with certain weapons or a racial bonus when creating your character, you get a, a plus one added to your intelligence or your strength or something like that. I, I did mine a lot based upon um, Legends of the Five Rings role-playing game. Mm-hmm. You know how they have different uh, clans in there, and each clan has its own upbringing. And I think they kind of incorporated this into, like, second edition with the the optional rules. And so I'm not really that familiar mm-hmm. with second edition, but I vaguely remember them doing some type of optional rules with humans. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not really, again, a second edition person, so nothing wrong with second edition. I just don't play it. But I did incorporate it that way by giving them, if they, if they were raised a certain way, like you said, in the mountains, they would get an advantage like that as if they were dwarven kind of advantage. Not a major advantage, just a little edge. Mm-hmm. Right. They would also have background skills and things like that that you know, would help them out through the adventure. I've also done times where the humans would start a level higher than everybody else because I wanted them to have a little more advantage. And Obviously, maybe that's not fair and everybody thinks that's dumb or whatever, but it's my game, my rules. I'll do what I want, and I want to encourage more human players in the game. So, mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? You've been awfully silent there, buddy. Yeah, I mean, because, mostly because I'm more by the book when it comes to that. I know with the games I run, they're not going to go long enough for those level limits to matter. So I'll leave them. Why change them? I know you're never going to hit it. So you're the, so, new, you're the new Jason. Yeah. Okay. When it, yeah, I'm very much by the book because during the course of the game, I'm so free willy about how things get handed out it's and so magic. Beautiful. Exactly. Uh, I will 
during the course of the game, gladly give extra bonuses for role-playing or situations that happen or whatever, you're going to get them through playing the game, not just starting out existing. So I don't feel the need to do that because I'm the, that way the bonuses develop more organically yeah. and, or more custom to that specific character. It's like when it comes to the class restrictions and that sort of stuff, though, I'm very much like if a player would like to play it, give me a good reason. What's your backstory? Why are you the unicorn that exists when no one else does? And if it's good, we'll run with it because I, that'll be something I can work with as part of the game. Uh, uh, no, I'm going to have to say, step in and absolutely disagree with you on that type of situation. I'm not letting someone play a friggin' unicorn. No, no. The, the unicorn <laughs> as in unique, one of a kind, not oh. as a literal <laughs> unicorn. <laughs> you took it literally. I knew. I even knew he was like being sarcastic and like. Oh, okay. I, I actually took it literal because he, that's. Oh my god. Because that's <laughs> yes, that's, yes. Well, uh, well. Let me tell you about my new all unicorn campaign here. You, We're going forest oracle with nothing but unicorn. Oh my god! You, you it's know, bromy stuff. Uh, why I thought that is because the mindset that I have right now after playing 5e for the past year is that that shit is allowed. So <laughs> What? Well, yeah, you can pretty much with with the Volos guide and things like that, you can pretty much come yeah. out with a, you know, a monster that has two heads that farts is his ability. So why not? Right. As long as you have a good backstory. Yeah, I can get on board with a, that kind of character. And then especially if you go into the DMs guild as well, you can find all sorts of wacky stuff. If you want to play a Ninja Turtle, you can play a Ninja Turtle. Yes, you can. There is a Ninja Turtle race oh. that you can play. So I found my notes on what I did for my version of Greyhawk, right? Oh, okay, cool. What's, so, what is it? Yeah. So, like, human racial modifiers. You know, they have the four different races. They have the Backlunish, the Flan, the Iridians, and the Sewell. So if you were uh, if you were a Backlunish background, you got a plus one to your decks when creating your character. Mm -hmm. The Flan, plus one to your con. Oridians got plus one to their intelligence and wisdom, and Sewell got plus one to their strength. You so know, you got a plus one added to your die roll for that particular ability score when you, you create a character. Wrong. You said it wrong, okay. Nick. Okay. You said it what wrong. What was it? You have to say what plus. Say? You have to say plus one to your con. That's why. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Um, <laughs> thanks for that. I, I didn't need that. Aww. Schmuck. <laughs> Uh, and also, maybe some different bonuses for your um, whatever nation that you came from. So, like, if you came from the, um, let's say you came from the Grand Duchy of Geoff, um, you can pick, you have a plus one to hit with um, a lance, pick one type of lance. Uh, a type of bow and a pike of one type, and it's a plus one to hit. So, like if you wanted, uh, you pick like a short lance mm -hmm. and maybe a short bow, and then you also have pike. If you use any of those types of weapons, a short lance, a short bow, and a pike, you get a plus one to hit with it, not to damage, but to hit. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because you're probably trained um, in it all your life with it, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. That's that's a good idea. I, yeah, and, and so on, and I did that with all the different nations, like, um, like Keowind, you you get a plus one to hit with a javelin, uh, plus one with crossbow, lance, any uh, type of polearm and spear. So, and so, yeah, I kind of went along with that, and I thought that makes it a little more interesting if you want to play a human. And when I I remember when I kind of sprung this on everyone, I was like, okay, you're from. Um, you're from the kingdom of Nairon. Well, you get a plus one bonus with a sword of one type that you pick, a flail or a mace. Pick one type, a polearm, a bow, or a crossbow. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, I want to play a human too. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of going along the idea of, you know, how the elves and half-elves have a plus one to hit with long swords and short swords. Same thing, I think, with dwarves too. They get a bonus... Yeah. Uh, um, for to hit with um, with I think don't they get a bonus to hit with a uh, with a uh, uh, battle axes or mace uh, or um, who war hammers? I don't think I don't think dwarves do. Well, I thought they did. They might. I rarely play dwarves, so the... no. I don't recall that. But go on. 
We'll look yeah. it up. But it, it was kind of going along that that thought. Right. Yeah, it's very it sounds very similar to like the backgrounds in later editions mm-hmm. where they have something like that where you pick a background that could be like a profession or locate or well, like where you're yeah. from and you get some bonuses. It's very it's very similar to that. Yeah, if you remember in the glossography of the Fiend fo- of not the Fiend folio but the uh World of Greyhawk folio set mm-hmm. and, and the box set there's a the glossography has a table you can roll and see where either your demi-human or your human characters originate. Right. So you have that going, and then you just go, oh, okay, you're from here. This is what bonuses you get to the certain weapons that you have learned. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that also helps just flesh out the background of the character as well because now they know where they're from. They mm-hmm. can have an idea of why they are the character they are. So it's, it's also a like a role-playing tool as well. Mm-hmm. And and some people say, well, what if they're playing a magic user and, and and they're from the Grand Duchy of Jeff and they ain't no Lance, Bow and Pike? Well, well yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ma- yeah. They weren't magic users their whole lives. <laughs> right. They were probably part of the militia. That's why they know these things. <laughs> and then they realized they were really squishy and mm-hmm. went to hit the books. Exactly. Same thing with uh, with clerics, but I also go the route of we've debated for 10 years. I allow my clerics to use edged weapons if it is allowed by their god. No. And I, I looked in the Unearthed Arcana and Player's Handbook. I didn't see anything about referencing dwarves and the weapon bonus. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just was listening to you while trying to read. I didn't see anything. There are some special mm-hmm. abilities that different dwarven sub-races get in the Unearthed Arcana, depending on gray, things like that. But yeah. nothing as far as but, what you had mentioned. Well, imagine if you picked the Duger. You, you know, <laughs> Duger. Is that the dwarf that th- can turn itself like into a giant? Uh, it had some abilities. Those are the ones, the Duggars, aren't those the ones from uh, Dragonlance? No, that they're no. in the Unearthed Arcana. Okay. And what if you're, like, if you want to play a gnome, one of the gnome races you can play was it the Nerf Neblin. The Deep Gnomes. Yes, it's called, it's pronounced Nerf Neblin. Nerf Neblin? Nerf Neblin. Deep Gnomes. They can, like, summon or, or control earth elementals. <laughs> they don't have, actually, the, the Druger don't have anything special at all. But they, really? they they don't gain any other other dwarfs combat advantage when, when fighting uh oh, okay. goblin they did. No. Not on Earth Arcana at least. Mm. They have everything else but that bonus to hit against those certain weapons because they have no animosity against anybody, so mm. they're just damn cool. Yeah. I think I might have incorporated some of the stuff where I like, you know, gnomes get a plus one to hit with a pickaxe. You know, and oh, uh, so. dwarves get a plus one to hit with uh Battle axes and war hammers. So making crap up like the bladed weapon, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Is that not is that is that not like fit into your like worldview? No, it doesn't. It doesn't? I think we've oh, been we, we've been arguing that oh you DX'd me. We've been oh. <laughs> we've been, just, we've been arguing Down that for there? ten years. <laughs> He just, yes, we have. Was that a Triple H or a Shawn Michaels, Matt? Which one was that one? I don't know, whatever. X-Pac? Oh, oh, that's real low. Ooh. That's real low. <laughs> no, I, 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 as we said, no. They don't use bladed weapons at all, ever. So I'll stick to In my guns. In your game world, that's fine. Ten years, I'll stick to my guns. And that's fine. That's fine. In your game world. Remember, it's like... Remember these, the rule, <laughs> it's like the pirate's code with stuff. Cause we've, you know, it's more guidelines than rules. You know, the DM could do whatever he wants. Rule zero. No, the DM's world. you're he wrong. The, hell he wants. the DMG is my book. I wrote it. It's my book. My baby. I say no. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Cause I'm going to give free health care to all of my character classes. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, God. A healing potion in every pot? Healing potion in every pot. <laughs> <laughs> God. And for for all the wizards out there, they're gonna get free college. You sound when more they like, go to the wizard school. You sound like more like the garbage man from Brooklyn than who you're trying to imitate. So. <laughs> well, that's how he sounds like a garbage man from Brooklyn. Uh, 
uh, subsidies for their uh, spell uh, items. That's exactly right. Okay, their spell com- spell component subsidies. That'll be true. It'll be tremendous. All right, and everybody will be happy. Your ideas will die. I'm gonna win again. Go away. <laughs> you go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Uh, Moving along. I was about to say you go to fourth edition. Ooh. Ooh. Matt's really poking Ooh. in the, the, the little jabs here. He's like that little guy with the jabs, man. Oh. He comes up behind the big guy, smacks you, and goes, it was the big guy. You know, he's doing one <laughs> of those things. Hey, I, I listened to that Orton AJ promo at SmackDown last night. I mean, hey, that's all that was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure 90% of the audience is going to go, what the hell is Matt talking about? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Pretty much. All right, well, level limits in the campaign is pretty much by your discretion. Like, we're, Matt, uh, Matt, sorry, Nick and I had argued and about... clerics using edge weapons, too. God you damn it. You didn't let me finish, sir. As I was saying, Nick and I have argued for the past 10 years about... Wow, has it really been 10 years we'd argue this stupid thing? <laughs> yeah, we started yeah. the same stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 10 we years... We are grognards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, like it, your campaign, your world, your rules, your story, the way you run it is the way you run it with your – as long as you and your group are having fun with the rules that you're putting in place and nobody's complaining. And you're consistent. Yeah, and you're consistent with your rulings and it should be a good time. If there's someone complaining and making you run the game the way they want, then that person doesn't need to be part of your group. Unless they want to run the game. Because when there are people that come into my game and they're like, well, I, I don't run my game like that. Then I said, then you run the game. And then, oh, no, I don't run games anymore. Then shut up and just play or leave. That's your options. Shut up, play, and leave. And Should generally those people... Pie hole or, or whatever. Yeah, generally those people play or they leave. And I give them the option. I don't like people that come to the table and impose their rules on another DM. Even if I'm a player yeah. in another game and someone walks up to a game and says, well, according to the book, it's just like, no, dude, it's his game. If he wants to change it around, let him change Where it around. Where did that whole idea come from anyway? What? Looking in the book? You know, the whole idea, like someone coming to the table and imposing what they think the rules should be on the DM. Uh, Where that, the hell did that thought come that's from? That's been going on for years and years. I mean, it, it's it's been as far back as probably our edition and maybe even classic edition and probably even wargaming as far as we know. Well, that's the funny thing is that, to me, that's just rude. Yeah. It is I mean, rude. You're coming, you, come to the, you come to the table as a player and you should respect the rules that the DM has laid out for his game world unless it's something outrageously off the deep end i mean i think a lot of it came with the more mainstream edition and probably younger kids not understanding that you know you need to respect the rules so that's the only thing i can think of because i've never had a problem with my one e games except for one or two people over the years, but they were also younger players coming into the OSR type scene. And I just dealt with them the same way. Listen, this is the rules I've laid out. We can discuss it on the side and we'll come to a compromise. If you don't like it, then you just don't have to play or you can run the game and I would gladly hand the books over to you to run and I'll play under your mm-hmm. rules. So, yeah. Yeah, I think as like organized play became more of a thing and having a codified you uh consistent gaming experience no matter what table you're playing at i think that came out more as, yeah so yeah. because it's kind of like people are expecting the their rpg table to be like a fast food restaurant no matter where you go it's going to be the same well or, yeah that that kind of happened with i think after post 2000 when they started standardizing the rules, like you said, and with yeah. the whole adventure league and what did they call it in three? Was it still RPGA or was it living campaign then? Uh, both. Okay. It was RP- the RPGA it ran the living campaign. Morphed into living Greyhawk, Yeah. Right. And everything was standardized, but you have to understand if you go to somebody's house, there's always going to be some type well, maybe I guess people didn't have the experience. Everybody had house rules. Everybody I, did. And you I, respected I them. We've had that. entire editions made off of house rules. Yeah. Uh, Palladium system was essentially D&D house ruled. 
I mean, I just think that the later editions are so fine-tuned to play, like you said, Matt, a fast food restaurant-style game that people walk into the game thinking, okay, we're playing 5e, we're going to be playing by the book. And then you get slapped with this, you know, a DM that's not from 5e coming into 5e from past editions saying, well, these are the following rules I've made to adjustment to the game, and you're a new player, and you're like, whoa, what? Uh, That's not how the book works. If you read, like, 5e, it tells you you could it's okay to make changes and adjustments and pick and choose what you use. It's built in. But the thing is people want, have a certain idea of what a gaming experience is to them. And that's what they go out to seek and look for. And when they expect it and don't get it, they're like, what's going on? Why is it not what I want? And then also some of it is just because they're trying to power game and they want to be the star of the show. And by having everything this way, they're going to be the star. That's me. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you and your edged clerics. This is my 18th level cleric name, Xandathar. <laughs> Running around with a giant greatsword? No, just a greatsword, not a giant greatsword. Uh, they didn't get it from a giant. Yet. Well, anyway, racial level limits. Do you play with them in your game? Do you waive them? Do you have house rules? What do you do? Let us know. RFIstaff at gmail.com. Go to facebook.com slash podcast and you can uh, send us a message, leave a comment there, or head over to Twitter for our RFI podcast is our handle, I believe. I don't know at this point. I don't really use the <laughs> RFI Twitter. It just auto-tweets the show at this point. That's all I it really does. Tweet. I have my own personal account with my own personal opinions, and those are those. So <laughs> they just don't reflect upon the show. So, mm. though you can hold me accountable, I guess if you really want, that's your decision. And Matt doesn't ever say a peep, so I just think he has no, an empty really. account. <laughs> they say fucking if they can't take a joke. Well, you know what are you gonna say? Yeah. <laughs> so with that said uh, head over to patreon.com slash WGP if you want to help uh, sponsor the network for as little as a dollar uh, a month you can get some access to things like the classic, classic face rip show and uh, you know if you get that goes hammer early and some other stuff and whatever and you get a shout out on my YouTube videos go over to youtube.com slash C slash the evil DM you can listen to my idols and Efridis, uh 1E series along with uh my Ghostbuster series that I'm doing on there as well, talking about West End Games Ghostbusters. Nice. So, with that said, we're going to say keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Roll for initiative.